Hello, family. This is Frank with the Word of Wisdom Ministry. I am a championship coach, but I've also coached teams that had losing records. But those losing records don't define me, nor does the championship. I'm defined by one person and one person only. I am who God says I am. God is my champion, and God is your champion too. So if you're tired of people bringing up your past, if you're tired of Satan labeling you and whispering in your ear and trying to bring condemnation to you, today's message here on Wild Moment is sent to encourage your heart today and let you know that you are what God says you are. Hi, I'm Karima with Word of Wisdom Ministry. Thank you for joining us today. Please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and like us on Facebook. And now for another inspiring episode of Wow Moment with our host, Frank Coxton. In Genesis, the 37th chapter, in the 26th and the 27th verse, the Bible tells us that in verse 26, it says Judah, which is one of his brothers, asks his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother and covering it up, covering up his death? Verse 27 says, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let's not hurt him because he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed with him at this point. Verse 28, it says, as the Midianite merchants were passing by, the brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern. Uh, they had thrown Joseph in a pit and they were they, they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with him. And now uh, they decided not going to kill him. So now they're pulling him out of the pit uh, because they see the uh, Midianite merchants passing by. And, and they sold him, continuing on in the scripture, they sold him to the Ishmaelites for eight ounces of silver. The Ishmaelites took him to Egypt. All right, so... We see here that uh, Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers. And then from the pit, he was drugged from the pit and he was sold into slavery. So now he's in Egypt as a slave. I want you to lock all this stuff into your memory banks that Joseph was a sheep herder. Then Joseph was in a pit and now Joseph is a slave. I want you to remember all these things that we're talking about because his journey of life has taken him from the pit now into slavery. And now we can look over here in Genesis, the 39th chapter and the 19th verse, because after the, after slavery, he was granted a position in the house of of a man by the name of Potiphar. He he had great authority in Potiphar's house. But the enemy will follow you wherever you go. Uh, no matter how high you go, Satan will follow you. The Bible declares he's the accuser of the brethren. He's always going to follow you and try to harass you and try to trip you, try to get you to fall. So in Potiphar's house, we, we see that Potiphar's wife decides that she wants to have a, a schoolgirl crush 
on Joseph. And in and, and, and her, her lustful state, uh, one day her husband is away from the house and she began to push on Joseph the physical uh, attraction that she had. Uh, she wanted Joseph to lay with her. But Joseph, first of all, being a man of God and second of all, being loyal to her husband, he uh, denied her advances. And now, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes there's, there's some, some sins that come upon us, some temptations that come upon us that a simple rebuke isn't going to help. Sometimes we have to put on our track shoes and lace them up tight and get up out of there. Sometimes we got to run. We have to flee the situation. So in this passage right here that we're getting ready to get into, we find that Joseph did just that. In Genesis 39 and 19, it says, when Potiphar heard his wife's story, of course, you know, she has a different version of what happened. When Joseph ran, she had a hold of his garment. And when, when he ran, he ran so hard and so fast that she was left holding his garment. And she proceeded to tell her husband the story, but she told it from the opposite angle, that, that Joseph was the advancer here. So in verse 19, when Potiphar heard his wife's story, especially when she said, this is what your slave did to me, he became very angry. So Joseph's master arrested him and put him in the same prison where the king's prisoners were kept. Huh. So Joseph was in a pit. Then Joseph was a slave. And even though he had high position in Potiphar's house, he was still a slave. But now Joseph is a prisoner. His journey of life has taken him down into the lowest part, down into the pit. His journey of life has taken him into slavery. His journey of life has now taking him into being a prisoner. Now, we know the story. I, for time's sake, we'll, we'll speed it up. But we know that Joseph, uh, in prison, he shared, he interpreted some dreams. And and the people, went, once they realized that he was an interpreter, uh, it took some time because you know how people are. They, they say they're going to hook you up. Uh, but when they get out, they, they forget all about you because they got their freedom now. But eventually it wound up when Pharaoh was troubled by his dreams and it wound up that they introduced him to a man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and Pharaoh, uh, in, a, in a reward for Joseph and all that he done by interpreting his dream, uh, he gave him a second in command to all of Egypt. Uh, the only person in Egypt that had more authority was Pharaoh himself. So here in Genesis 41 and 41, the Bible says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I now put you in charge of Egypt. The Pharaoh took off his signet ring and put it on Joseph's finger. He had Joseph dressed in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him 
ride in the chariot of the second in command. Men ran ahead of him and shouted, make way. Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of Egypt. He's second in command, the only Pharaoh. He has command over Egypt. And we know the story. We know that because of the interpretation of the dream that uh, Joseph went with, with his, uh, his, his strategy, his plan for the kingdom, and he gathered up uh, all the food and he stored up the food because he knew a great famine was coming. Well, his father sent his brothers to Egypt because of the famine. They needed food. So we know the story that when, when his brothers came to Egypt, they wound up having to bow before their little brother. The same little brother that they put in the pit. The same little brother that they sold into slavery. The same little brother that was lied on and accused by the wife of Potiphar and found himself in prison. That same brother, they didn't know who he was, for they hadn't seen him in years, and they didn't know who he was, and so they, they're bowing before him because now they're in need of something from him. But see, I don't know if you know, but your life is being set up. Your steps are ordered by God. See, his steps were ordered by God. He he's Though he was in a pit, he's not a pitiful person. Though he was sold into slavery, he is not a slave. Though he was a prisoner, he's not an ex-con. You see, all along, God had already had it established and ordained that he was going to sit in this high position in Egypt. See, God had a plan for not just Joseph, but he had a plan for his whole family. His family would starve to death had not God's plan been orchestrated. Though it seemed rough, it seemed like Joseph had to go through some valleys. He had to go through some dark times. He had to go through some alone times. He had to go through some really hard times, but God was with them all of the way and God's plan was being established. God had it already set up that Joseph would, when the famine came, would have the stockpile of food. God already had it that Joseph was going to be second in command in Egypt. This was who Joseph is. I'm telling you this so that I can let you know that Joseph is not the boy in the pit. Uh, Joseph is not a slave. And I, I, I'll say again that Joseph is not an ex-con. Joseph has always been second in command in Egypt. Joseph has always been a child of God. Joseph has always been a child of God. So I want to encourage you tonight to let you know that you are what God says you are. You see, your past doesn't say who you are. Your past doesn't dictate who you are. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl, no situation can say who or what you are. People will bring up your past and say, aren't you this or aren't you that? Aren't you that ex-con? 
aren't you that slave? I'm sure people will try to bring up stuff like that to Joseph. But you see, God had already had a mark, a label, a stamp, a, a position, a calling on his life. And he's only, listen to me clearly, only what God says he is. You are only what God says you are. I, I, I know you might have had drug issues in your life. I know you might have had an alcohol problem in your life. Yes, listen, I know that some of you may have lived a promiscuous life. Some might have even been in prostitution or pornography or something like that. But listen, those things don't define who you are. Only God can define who you are. And you are not those things. You're not a stripper. You're not a prostitute. You're, you're not a porn star. You're, you're, you're not an alcoholic. You're, you're not a, a, a drug addict. You're not a drug dealer. You're, you're, you're not a, a rapist. You're not a prisoner or an ex-con. You're not. You are what God says you are. You see, when you go to God's AA meetings, it's not like man. I, I see people all the time, you, they, you haven't had a, a drink, a taste of alcohol in maybe 10, 15, 20 years that you that, that you had your last drink. But yet when you attend a meeting, uh, let's say if I went to a meeting and I haven't had a drink in 20 years, I still have to introduce myself in the meeting as, hey, I'm Frank Costin and I am an alcoholic. But I haven't had a drink in 20 years. But see, the difference is, if you go to a meeting, and I'm not knocking AA, and, and if you work there or, or you are, are, are taking meetings there, listen, continue doing that. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just trying to tell you about God today. I'm trying to tell you about Jesus. Because see, when Jesus does it, see, AA can help you by giving you a sponsor and giving you a phone number to call when you feel like you can't handle it and somebody will rush to be there to ensure that you don't take a drink or you don't take another drug. But when Jesus enters in, he delivers us. And when he delivers us, we don't have the taste of alcohol. We don't have a desire for the drugs. We don't have a desire for whatever other thing we had going on in our life. So no longer do we have to say, hey, my name is Frank and I'm an alcoholic. Now I can say, hey, my name is Frank and I've been delivered. You see, there's a big difference in stop doing something and trying to use your own willpower to get through it or allowing allowing God to deliver you and cleanse your heart of that. I've seen it happen too many times. I've seen when God does it, it's finished. It's settled. When God takes the taste of alcohol out of your mouth, the taste is gone. No longer do you desire it. When he takes drugs away from you, when he takes that desire, that pull, that tug away from you, it's no longer there. You don't have to worry about a relapse. You are taking a drug that no drug can ever uh, uh, equate to. You're, you're drinking from waters that are getting you higher and higher than alcohol could ever take you. And that's water is the living water. Uh, listen, we find Peter 
and we know that Peter was a, 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 one of Jesus' disciples, and we know he was a kind of a rough character. But the part that I want to show you about Peter is that Peter cursed God. Now, mind you, Jesus said that it was going to happen, and you know that Jesus, uh, the Bible says, without him, nothing that was created was created. So when Jesus spoke in the beginning, and he said, let there be light, and there was light, you see, he just spoke it into existence. He spoke this whole world into existence. So what I was saying by that is when he says something, you can take it to the bank, it's going to happen. So when he said that to Peter, Peter had no choice. He was going to curse God regardless because God already spoke it and said it's going to happen. But Peter cursed God, but yet Peter was the one who preached on the day of Pentecost the message of salvation. He's the one that told us that we need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was Peter on in Acts, the second chapter, the 38th verse, that preached that. Listen, Peter was given the keys to, to the kingdom. God gave him the keys, and he said, that Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell to not prevail. And it was Peter who preached uh, to the Jews, and he unlocked it to the Jews in the book of Acts, the second chapter. But then we find Philip preaching to the Samaritans who are half Jews, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they could not receive the Holy Ghost because Peter had the keys. And Philip had to send for Peter and John, but when Peter got on the scene, he had the keys to salvation, and the Holy Ghost was given to the Samaritans that day. It was Peter who was given a vision to go to Cornelius' house and preach the word of God to Cornelius a Gentile, people who the Jews don't even associate with. But when he went, I see the Bible tells me that Cornelius and all of his house were filled with the Holy Ghost because Peter had the keys, but yet he's the same one who cursed God. So who is he? Is he a cursor or is he a man of God? And then I find the the, the apostle Paul, he was Saul and threatening the saints and murdering the saints and carrying out all kind of violence against the church. But it was Paul who was struck blind on Damascus Highway. It was Ananias who was sent to lay hands on him and the scales fell from his eyes and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. It was Paul who wrote most of the books after the book of Acts. It was Paul who established the churches. But is he the same man who was making threatenings against the children of God or is he a man of God? I'm telling you today, don't let people bring up your past. Don't let Satan tell you who you are. You are what God says you are. Nothing less, nothing more. You are only what God says you are. Not even what you think of yourself. You are what God says you are. And I need you to get that in your spirit today. Just like these men aren't the things that they did, they are what God says that they are. You're not what you did. You're what God says you are. And I need you to get that deep in your spirit today. Lift your head up, pump your chest out, and walk with your head up high, knowing that your father is a king, and you are what God says you are. Hello, family. It's Frank with the Word of Wisdom Ministry. I'm coming to you tonight because our world is in trouble. And I just want to come to you today because it's time for us to unite as a people. We've been divided since the beginning of our nation. There's never been a cohesive nation. Today, 
I urge you to put your differences aside today. Listen, we were all created by one God and for one purpose, and that is to fear God and to keep his commandments. We were were made in the image of God, all of us. None of us are different. We are unique in our own way, but none of us are different. We serve a God that has no respect of person. That means that we all looked at equally in the eyes of God. No one is greater than the other. There's no need for us to be fighting. There's no need for us to be at odds with one another. And I'm speaking directly now to the nation of the United States of America. We are a torn nation. We need to come back together. We need to unite. We are one people. There is no red. There is no blue. There is a red, white, and blue. We are one people. We are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We say it all the time, but it's time for us to mean what we say. If we're fighting within the church over political parties, then how can we then go out into the world and bring the love of God? It's time for us to unite. It's time out for the bickering and the arguing because it has nothing to do with salvation. God is not in our political system. Stop looking for him there. Stop looking for people to get elected to lead us in the right direction or lead us to God. Their job is to govern the natural world. Our God governs the spiritual world. Yes, we can have a leader that we want to vote for, and we must do that. But it's time out for using the pulpit as a place to say who is and who isn't, or to say who's who's bringing in the Antichrist or who's bringing in this spirit. God did not tell you that. You can get upset with me, or you can get on board with being united as one people. But God did not tell anybody that. God didn't tell you to go out and call people out. He's not an ugly God like that. He doesn't go out and and do that. He doesn't call people out of their name or say that there's some kind of demon or or there's some kind of evil spirit or evil force. He does not tell you to do that about anybody because that is a soul that we're supposed to be trying to win. Now, it's it's not a rebuke here today. This is a plea today for us as a people, as a nation, as a church, as a world, to unite. And we have one common goal, and that is to see Jesus face to face. The second common goal is that we get as many people as we can to see him face to face with us. Those are our goals, and that's what our eyes need to be fixated on. Our eyes need to be fixated on the prize, and that prize is Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for our nation, I'm going to pray for our world, and I'm going to pray right now for our church. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we're in perilous times. We're we're in a divided nation right here in the United States of America. I pray, God, that you would bless our nation. God, I pray that you would bless Donald Trump. I pray that you would bless Joe Biden. I pray, God, that you would put your hands upon both of their lives. And Father, anyone that's affiliated with them, anybody that's on their staff, 
God, I pray your angels of mercy be with them. I pray your hand of protection, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, it doesn't matter who sits on the seat because you're sitting on the throne. And God, I place them in your hands today. I, God, I pray for the fabric of this nation, God, that it be mended together, Lord. Father, I pray, God, that every heart, Lord, that has any kind of animosity or anger toward their brother, man, or their sister, God, I pray, God, that that heart, Lord Jesus, would be fixed right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. I speak unity in this land that we live in, God, in this hour that we live in. God, I, I want to pray, God, for the church, Lord, that, Lord Jesus, this is your church. Upon this rock, you said that you were going to build your church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. God, I pray, God, that the leaders of the church would just keep their eyes on you and stop, Lord Jesus, leaning on the political side of the house. Stop leaning toward politics or, or pushing a, a certain candidate. Lord, let them, Lord Jesus, just focus on you and focus on being soul winners, God. You did not call anybody, Lord Jesus, to promote a man into some kind of political position. We were called to promote you. And God, you are our governing body, regardless of anything else that goes on in this world. And we know that we can call on you. And God, we know that you will come and you will solve our issues, Lord. You are the only power that can unite us, Lord. You're the only power that can govern us truly, God, and govern us, Lord, the way that we need to be governed. Father, there, the church is worried about, Lord Jesus, certain topics of, of abortion and, and homosexuality, and they're worried about all these different things, and they're worried about who's going to allow what. But God, I want you, God, to reassure them today it doesn't matter what policies or procedures or whatever man has, God, you are in control. If you don't want something to happen and we come to you with the dominion that you gave us in prayer, God, that you will solve all those problems. It doesn't matter what a man says. It doesn't matter what a man does. God, we thank you for your awesome power. And God, bless this whole world that we live in, God. Let this be the greatest hour of revival. God, let us come together as a world, as a collective body. Lord, let your word be poured out like never before. God, we see that these are the last and evil days. God, time is winding up. And help us, God, to make, Lord Jesus, disciples of men. Help us, God, to have the greatest end-time revival, Lord. Let us, Lord, reap the harvest, Lord. Let us get out into the highways, hedges, and byways and compel them to come into your house, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, I am praying today for unity in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now. We praise you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of the word of God, I speak peace right now in Jesus' name. Listen, everybody, I love you. And I pray that you love me too. And I pray that you hear me tonight. And listen, it is time for us to unite. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode of Wow Moment with Frank Costin. We hope that you were blessed by this message. Please remember to subscribe and click the notification bell on YouTube. Like us on Facebook and listen to us on podcasts at Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and Radio Plus. 
We want to interact with you, so please leave us a comment, prayer request, and a praise report. If you are looking for a church home, we will help you with that as well. We would love to have you as part of this ministry. There are three ways to become a partner. One, subscribe to our channel. Two, share our link with at least three family members and three friends. Three, you can also partner by making a donation by a cash app at dollar sign Frank Costin. We look forward to joining you again with another encouraging message. Until then, God loves you and so do we.